Chapter Eleven of Remodeled Farmhouses by Mary H. Northend. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Cynthia Moyer. Chapter Eleven, The Doctor Charles E. Inches House. A very interesting feature in an old farmhouse is the fireplace, which varies in size with the age of the house. The oldest ones are large with cavernous mouths since they were the only means of heating the house. These are capable of holding a ten-foot log, for it must be remembered that at that period of our country's history the woods grew at the very door. A few of these old fireplaces are found today principally in the old kitchens or living rooms, although occasionally we see an old house which has them in almost every room. There is a great variety in their design as well as size, some being very simple and framed in wood, while others show tiling. Occasionally we find elaborate carving, but this is in the better-class building rather than in the simple little farmhouse. These details denote the different periods and also the wealth of the former owner. With the introduction of stoves, many fireplaces were bricked in to accommodate an airtight stove which gave more heat and saved fuel. One unaccustomed to the features of an old farmhouse would infer a lack of fireplaces. The removal of brick and mortar, however, reveals the large cavernous hearth, which was often three feet deep, and sometimes showed a second bricking in to make it smaller. Often in the narrowing of the fireplace, tiles are used, generally Dutch, which are blue and white in coloring. Occasionally, in opening up these fireplaces, one comes across rare old andirons that were considered of too little value to be removed. Old cranes and kettles are also found, of the type common in the days of our early ancestors. It must be remembered that the chimneys of these old houses were often six feet square, and had many fireplaces opening from them. It was the central feature of the house around which the rooms were built. The earliest chimneys were daubed in clay, and in the masonry, oak timbers were often used. In remodeling a house, many people tear down these old chimneys for the space which may be converted into closet use and alcoves making a smaller chimney do service. In the olden times, when the first chimneys were erected, they were so carefully built that they were less liable to smoke than the smaller ones, so that it is better to let the old one remain, if possible. Brick was generally used in the construction, although sometimes we find stone. It was not the finished brick of today, but rough and unfaced. 
this was not true however of those which formed a part of cargoes from abroad more especially those brought from holland the use of stone was not popular as it was apt to chip when brought in contact with the heat this is also true of the hearthstones where the flagging became rough and most unsatisfactory the fire-back was a feature of some of the old fireplaces the earliest of these made in our country were cast in saugus massachusetts and some were most elaborate in design often coats of arms and initials were worked out in their construction in addition to the brick and stone soapstone facings were sometimes shown but seldom do we come across good carving the crane was a feature of the fireplace and on it were hung the pot hooks from which depended the iron and brass pots in which food was cooked in one side of the bricks just at the left of the fireplace was often a large brick oven with an iron door and here on baking days roaring wood fires were kindled to heat the bricks before the weekly baking was placed within examination of these old ovens will be very apt to reveal the age of the house in the remodeling it is well to leave the fireplaces much as they stand with the exception of bricking them in for the old ones allowed too much air to come down the chimney and at the present high price of wood we are not able to indulge in the ten-foot logs that were in evidence in our grandmother's time a house with many fireplaces that stands back from the winding country road on the border line between medfield and walpole in massachusetts was chosen for a summer home by charles e inches it is shaded now as it was long ago by large old elms whose wide-spreading branches seem to add a note of hospitality to this most attractive estate possibly there are better examples of the restored farmhouse than this one found at medfield but it is very picturesque not only in type but in surroundings it stands near a turn of the road where it was erected in sixteen fifty two situated in a sheltered glen and protected from cold winds at that time it was a small and unpretentious building about twenty feet long and showing in the interior fine examples of hand-hewn timbers even in its dilapidated state it was most attractive with its many fireplaces and old woodwork this particular house has two values the one relating to its historical record and the other to its old-time construction through two centuries this little farmhouse had been the home of the adams family a branch that was near in kin to the presidential line of adams who lived at quincy massachusetts 
at the time of its building a stream wound in and out through the meadowland that was a part of the property it was such a large stream that it afforded sufficient power to run an old mill that originally stood on the estate and which for many years ground the neighbor's grain on a ridge opposite the house worn stone steps lead up through pastures to a sturdy oak which stands nearly opposite the front of the house and is known in history as the whipping tree here in colonial days wrongdoers were tied to be whipped just before we reach the stone wall which was laid probably by the slaves held by the landowner of that period we find an old mounting block on the side of one of the stones are the figures sixteen fifty two and it was from this block that many a colonial dame mounted to her pillion to ride in slow and dignified style behind her worthy squire even in those days the grounds were very extensive and reached for many acres these to-day have been reclaimed and laid down to grassland and garden halfway between the house and the tennis court which defines the estate is a wonderful old garden which has been designed not so much for show purposes as to supply flowers all through the season this is not the only garden on the place for back of it is the vegetable garden and the old-fashioned one the dividing line between the two is a row of stately trees which hide the former from view at the front of the house rows of apple trees many of which were on the estate when it was first purchased remnants of the original orchard surround in part the tennis court behind which is a swimming pool which is in frequent use this is about twenty-five feet long and twelve wide cemented to a depth of seven feet with its background of tall poplars it is very artistic and lends itself to all sorts of water contests during the latter part of the nineteenth century new life came to the old house it had stood for years weather-beaten and old guarding the family name while the outside was very attractive and in tolerably good repair it was the interior that appealed especially there was beautiful old wainscoting and panelling of wide boards some of which was split from logs at least thirty inches in width great reverence was paid by the owner to the original structure particularly to the old kitchen with its large brick fireplace and chimney which was restored to its early beauty sagging plaster was removed and underneath were found well-preserved hand-hewn beams and rafters these were carefully cleaned and considered of such great beauty that they were left exposed as far as possible 
more especially those which showed the sign of the ads. The walls, which had been previously neglected, were stripped of wallpapers which were in some places ten thicknesses deep. In removing one of these, a wonderfully fine landscape paper was discovered, and although every attempt was made to save it, it was too far defaced. Under the paper was a wide paneling of white pine, so good that it needed only a slight restoration. In the opening of the fireplace, the crane, pothook, and hangers were found to be intact, while many pieces of ancestral pewter and copper were polished and placed in proper position on the wide receding chimney. This was to give it the look of the olden days when pewter was used for the table. There was no bricking in of this old fireplace, for it was considered such a wonderful example that it was left in its original state. The old flintlock that did service in the early war was hung over the fireplace, while from the chimney-hook the old-time kettles were swung, much as they did in the days when they were used for cooking purposes. The old brick oven, used by the Adams family, was not removed, and at one side of the fireplace a long braid of corn was hung in conformity with the custom of that period. The hand-hewn rafters and beams have been left intact in this room, as has the old woodwork, so that the kitchen, now used as a den, is an exact reproduction of the original room. It is the most interesting apartment in the house, being situated at the right of the entrance and furnished with old family heirlooms, including five rare slat-back chairs, a rush-bottomed rocking chair, and a settle of the same period. Even the wide boards that were used in the original flooring have been retained, and the old brick hearth, showing wide bricks such as are never found in modern residences. To meet present requirements, the cellar was cemented and a furnace added, in order that the occupants need not depend entirely on the fireplaces for heat. In the hallway, the stairway, following the lines of many colonial houses, rises at one side. Here the wallpaper is wonderfully preserved, being in the old colors of yellow and white and of a very old design. It was made in England over a century ago and gives an appropriate atmosphere to the entrance of the attractive old home. The living room, which is spacious and comfortable, is at the right, just before you enter the den. The woodwork has been painted white, following the colonial idea, while old-fashioned diamond-paned windows have been substituted for the original ones. Here, as throughout all the house, one comes unexpectedly upon groups of shelves filled with books. There are built-in cupboards that provide places for the wonderful collection of books, 
many of which are rare editions, owned by the present occupants. Like every room in the house, this shows several tables of unusually fine design, a handsome side-wing chair, and a few other choice pieces. The great open fireplace with its colonial accessories lends much to the hominess of this room. At the left of the hallway is the large and spacious dining room, which is in reality three rooms opened into one, the partitions showing in the beamed ceilings. The walls are finished in green textile and are left unornamented with the exception of one or two choice pictures. There was a method in the construction of this room which was planned for unbroken spaces to bring out to advantage the lines of the beautiful old sideboard. Then, too, the space shows off the lines of the rush-bottomed chairs that are used for dining chairs. The mantel, framed in white wood, is hung with rare porringers, ranging from large to baby size. There is a restful atmosphere about this room that, combined with its perfect setting, is most refreshing. At the farther end of the room, French doors open upon the sun parlor, which is used during the summer months for a breakfast room. This overlooks the garden. The bedrooms upstairs are large and airy, each one of them being carefully furnished with colonial pieces which include four posters, high and low boys, as well as quaint old-time chests of drawers that can do service as bureaus or as storage space for extra blankets, hangings, or rugs. The floors throughout the entire house are of hardwood, many of them being the original ones that were laid when the house was built. Rare old Chippendale, Sheraton, and Hepplewhite chairs are used in the furnishings, while hand-woven rugs cover the floors. The windows are screened by chintz hangings of bright colors and gay designs, and the whole house presents a sunny, restful atmosphere. At the rear of the house an L has been added, where the new kitchen with all modern conveniences, pantries, servants' dining and sitting rooms are found. Thus, while the exterior features of the old house have been carefully preserved, the addition of the L gives comfort and convenience to the new building. Shrubbery has been planted around the house, and a veranda thrown out. Window boxes filled with brilliantly blossoming plants add a bit of color to the remodeled farmhouse, which is painted red with white trim. Velvety lawns have replaced the old-time farming lands, and the planting of trees has done much to add to the picturesqueness of this estate. The grounds themselves are extensive, covering forty-five acres, and the natural beauties are unusually varied. Broad stretches of fields and hills 
intersected with trees make a most appropriate setting for the old adams homestead end of chapter 11